have really sleep. vivid dreams all the time, so like, I I had a dream the other night. Do you, do you watch Grey's Anatomy? No. Oh, there's this really hot guy, or doctor, or whatever, and I had a dream that we were in the hospital, and he and like someone, like one of my like, my childhood rivals was there, and I'll, and she dyed her hair, and he was like, "Let me dye your hair so you can look better than her." I love dyeing hair, and I was like, "Let's fucking do it." So we like, we walked across the the hospital. He's like, "Get into this elevator," and I got in. And he didn't get in. It closed, and it, like it dropped into like this super scary like water slide at the hospital. Super fun. Can I use that for my opener? Yeah. Cool. Because <laughs> it actually fits into what we're talking about today. Oh no. Yeah, we're talking about doctor. Oh, anyways, hey guys. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, hi. Yeah. How'd, how'd you know? Did you read my note? No! I swear to God, I just wanted to say... <laughs> I just want to talk about myself, I guess. <laughs> hey guys, what's up? It's me, it's Gracie, back again with... Amanda! Yay! It's Yay. the Amanda Show! <gasps> yes. What if we actually... <laughs> Bring in the dancing lobsters! <laughs> what if we just made this the Amanda Show 2.0? Uh, yeah. Yeah, you just make It this... isn't already? Oh, shit, you right, though. <laughs> Oh, hey guys, what's, what, hi, hello, hey, hi, hello, that's a band I used to like growing up. Howdy. Howdy, partner. We're in the old south. Yeehaw. Yee. (laughs) Get out of my house. (laughs) I want you to leave my house. I know I drove you here, but you can walk. (laughs) Oh, not very far. In, in 40 degree weather. No. No, don't make me. Okay. Nah, I guess we should actually fucking focus and stuff. It's already been two minutes. Hello. Oh, shit. Hello. It's your girls. We already introduced ourselves. Man, I'm just rough today. You're living my life last week. I am. You're just... Oh, you're just infecting me. You're welcome. Love that. Okay, so today brought to you a brand new episode of Up at Nights with Amanda. Um... This episode was actually suggested to me from a friend of mine named Tyler. Thanks, Tyler. Tyler's actually a Tinder boy, fun fact. <gasps> Ooh. Yeah, he um, he was like, oh, it's, I have a true crime thing. And I was like, what's a true crime thing? And he told me, and I was like, dude. <laughs> and that, yeah. We love it when they pull through. Yeah, whenever, whenever the boys pull through. We're not gonna make, I mean, we're not. We ain't gonna make that, that, uh, that so, joke. So, but you know what? If anyone else also wants to suggest stories to me, and they don't want to have to match me on Tinder, you know what they can do? <gasps> they can go to my Twitter. Yeah. Up at night cast. Yay! Up at night cast. <laughs> up at night C A S T. Yes. Up at night cast. Kind of like it's up at night, and then you cast like a rod, and you're fishing. All right. You were fishing for a joke, and it did not work. <laughs> it did not work. I didn't. I didn't reel it in. <laughs> that was actually funny. Thank you. It's it's really hard being this funny, honestly. That was low key kind of funny though. I wasn't I wasn't expecting it, and you said it. I thought it was really funny. Thank you. So and I feel like ooh wow. Okay. okay wow. So yes. Focus. Um, also, I am still looking for a graphic designer to redo my Up at Night kind of logo. <gasps> that would be so cool. I know. I'm really excited about it. So if you know anyone, hit me up. If not, uh, I don't know, got to Google it or something. It's a paid, it's a paid job. What? Shit, let me learn. <laughs> 
Shit, I... You know what? You make me a cover and I will give you $20. Can I... Yes. Can I tell you a story? This yes. is so quick, I promise. Uh, long story short, I work... I volunteer at a camp. I'm, like, super into it. It's whatever. Um, and... We, we do, like, this t-shirt contest where, like, anyone can submit a t-shirt design. Like, the people vote on it, whatever, and that becomes, like, our, our shirt design for the year. And one, the, like, one of the years I was running it, so I got all the submissions. And a member of our staff, who is a grown man, mm-hmm. um, sent in a, sent in his submission. Do you want to know what it was? Please tell me. It was a picture a piece of notebook paper that he had drawn, like, the worst Texas, like, the state of Texas, just the worst, the worst thing in the world. Okay. And then, like, a star, or no, a, a heart, and then a star, and then, like, can you also put this here and, like, put these words in it? I was like, sir, what? <laughs> like, What's that supposed to be? I had to, like, go and recreate it on, like, a, on, like, the t-shirt thing. It was bad. So that's yeah. what I'm gonna do for you. Please do. Basically, what I want you to do is go into word art, no, picture art, and just use stick figures. Oh, that's my expertise. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't you one time draw stick figure cow or something? Where, what? Yeah, but where was that? <laughs> I don't remember. All I remember is you drawing a stick figure cow. That sounds like me. Fun fact, <laughs> I got in trouble when I was a kid for drawing stick figures because my mom wanted them to have clothes. <laughs> <laughs> I used to draw... Okay, I've never told anyone this before, and there's a high possibility I'm going to take it out of this podcast. Okay. I used to draw, like, stick figure, like, torture mansions. I think that's called uh, Hangman. (laughs) (laughs) I used to play a lot of Hangman. (laughs) That's basically what I'm saying. Um, Okay, so, uh, back to this. Okay, podcast. Uh, So, today we're going to be talking about Dr. Death. So the trigger warnings for this episode is drug abuse, addiction, overdosing, and suicide. Um, oh my god, that's beautiful. Can you send me that so I can put it on my Twitter? Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad! <laughs> yeah, hold on. Okay. We're gonna, we're gonna have the picture she was describing on my Twitter. Go check it out at Up at Nightcast. Uh, wait, what, 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 type in your email so you don't have to say it out loud. Just text me. Oh, that's, oh. <laughs> 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 do you have my phone number trying to give that to you I've been writing letters this whole time <laughs> I was wondering why you weren't responding <laughs> you didn't see my smoke signals <laughs> what I sent a pigeon to you did you not get it oh my cat ate it my bad <laughs> okay so it's Dr. Death but there's actually two Dr. Deaths and I'm talking about the older case if you want me to do the newer Dr. Death case because it's actually two of them yeah different people like completely mm-hmm. different people can I guess what this is about? Sure. Is this about the guy that worked at Auschwitz? No. You need to, well, side note, y'all need to look at who, look at that guy up, because shit. Okay, I'm going to that up too. Yeah. But, you want to you wanna know why the story is a little bit hard? Why? So, so Dr. Death has a body count of over 215 people. Same. <laughs> <laughs> I could see you waiting, waiting for me to finish my sentence. I could see you waiting. You said body count, and I was like, "You got to say." But so twenty-five is confirmed, and it's actually the minimum number of victims. Um, it could actually be two hundred sixty. 
So it's in between 215 and 260. So he is actually one of the most prolific serial killers ever. See, I wanted to know, like, I wanted to look that up and be like, who's, yeah. like, the most prolific Actually, ever? right now, there's a new one. One dude killed 360 people. <gasps> Bad bet. <laughs> Me too. Anyways. Um, but his story is really interesting. Uh, it's actually really short, too. Oh, okay. Because there's oh, not... we'll make it long. It's fine. <laughs> Don't worry. We'll stretch it out. Because there's not really that much about his... Victims, because there's so many of them. Yeah. Just a few of them. Yeah. Okay, so. <coughs> Hot. <laughs> Born the middle child into a working class family on January 14th, 1946, Harold Frederick Shipman, known as Fred, was the favorite child of his domineering mother, Vera, which is a really cool name. Oh, I like that name. Me too. Uh, she instilled in him a, an early sense of superiority that tainted most of his later relationships, leaving him an isolated adolescent with few friends i got through it Same. i think that sentence I did, did you it. yeah shut up <laughs> he did have a very normal upbringing um he was very athletic he was actually like on a bunch of the sports teams i don't know if it was like lacrosse or like the english equivalent what's the what's the thing uh cr- not cricket no badminton it's, no someone where you had like the ball on the ground you had like little fork things in the ground that's cricket like, no cricket is like the Weird version of baseball. Golf? It's like... Uh, it sounds like cricket, but I don't think it... Let me look it up. Is it dick it? Di- I'm not gonna acknowledge it. <laughs> I'm like, dude, you're talking then. What is it? I'm, I'm gonna play English golf. Let's see what comes up. Oh, I just came up with regular golf. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, when his mother was diagnosed with terminal lung cancer... He willingly oversaw her care as she declined, fascinated by the positive effects that the administration of morphine had on her suffering, until she did eventually succumb to her disease. June croquet. 25th. Croquet? Croquet. Croquet. Yeah. It's croquet. Yeah, so it's not cricket, it's croquet. You Google. Sport that cooks like golf. You misspelled the word look. Listen, I'm not a perfect person. So the mom died on June 21st, 1963. When he was around 20, almost 20, I don't know how to do math. I think he was he, born 47. He was, he was like a teen, a Thir- late teen. Was he thir- I don't know how to do math. Me either. Why the fuck are you trying to do math? This is like a repeat of last week. Uh, honestly, yeah, it is. Okay, keep going. Um, so, I don't know why, I, I, don't, I can't really read it, so I'm just going to So okay. devastated by her death, he was determined to go to medical school and was admitted to Leeds University Medical School for training for two years. But he failed his entrance exam the first time and then served at his hospital internship. He was still a loner, but he met his future wife, Primrose, also an awesome name, um, at the age of 19. And then they were married when she was... when she was 17. So he met her whenever he was 19, she was 17, they got married and had a child. I want to know how old she was when they met, though. 17. But they got married when she was 17. Yeah, it's the, it's the 40s. Shit happens really fast. I thought it was the 60s. He was born in 47. Yeah, so I guess he would be in his 20s. Am I stupid? It was the 60s. They got married fast. Shut the fuck up. It's fine. It makes sense. It's fine, yeah. My nana got married uh, around the 60s at 19. And I told her, I was like, oh, I wish. And she's like, I can't imagine you not being married by the time you're like 25. And I was like, like, nana, speak it into existence, please. Oh my god, no. (laughs) 
can't relate. Uh, so Shipman received a scholarship in medical school and graduated from Leeds School of Medicine in 1970. So now we're in the 70s. Uh, he started work Groovy. at... Radical. At Pontefract General <laughs> Infirmity in, in, in Pontefract, West Riding of Yorkshire. And in 1974, he took his first position as a general practitioner at the Abraham or Mirad Medical Center in Todmorden. Basically, fuck the places in England. Why does everything sound hard to pronounce? I, mm-hmm. uh-huh. <laughs> if you're in England watching this, I love you. Are there any in England? I'm not really in England. I feel like there is one, like, soon. Hello. Hello. <laughs> I only know how to speak um, British because of One Direction. And then I can do a little of Irish. Nandos! <laughs> Wait, can we pause for a yeah, second? My sister's calling me. What up, beach? Segway. Uh, Shipman continued working as a general practitioner in Hyde uh, throughout the 1980s. Now in the 80s. He founded his own surgery on Market Street in 1993. 90s. Uh, becoming a respectable member of the community. In 1983, he was interviewed on the Grandada television documentary World in Action on how the mentally ill should be treated in the community. Oh, we love that. Yeah. We love uh, serial killers serial advocating killer. for mental illness. Mm. Yes. Okay, so. Blah, blah, blah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, so this is this talking about his life. Yeah. And then we'll get into the parts that are fun. Yes. I mean, sad, but also fun. Yeah, fun. I like the really fucked up stuff. Oh, though. me too, dude. One time, talk about cannibals some more. Oh yes, yeah, dude. Um, so one time, sorry, what? one time, uh, I was reading a book. Uh, did you ever read Unbroken in high school? No. It's about the whatever this cannibalism and like a oh sick. Instead of committing cannibalism, he threw his friend in the ocean, like as like a burial. Like she, he didn't want to eat the eat him, yeah. so he, whatever. So I was talking to a friend and I was like, would you ever like eat someone if you're like stuck on an island or something like that? She's like, if I got the chance to be a cannibal, I would take it. <laughs> and hopefully they are not your friend anymore. <laughs> we stopped talking. So. Okay, good. Okay. Why the fuck would you want to talk to a cannibal? What if they're listening to this Keep things spicy. Right she's not. Who is it? I don't know. Some, well, I know her name, but she's from high school. Like I haven't oh, talked to her okay. since like junior okay. high school. Well, I hope she's listening to this right now. Anything you mm. want to say to her? I hope you haven't had the chance. <laughs> hey, I hope you're not a cannibal. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you be eating your chicken nuggets and that's it. <laughs> and that's all you get. No human nuggets. Just chicken nuggets. <laughs> I'm going to continue. <laughs> In March 1998, Dr. Linda Reynolds of the... Uh, whoa. In March 1998, Dr. Linda Reynolds of the Brooke Surgery in Hyde, prompted by Deborah Macy from Frank Macy and Sons Funeral Parlor, expressed concerns to John Pollard, the coroner of the South Manchester District, about the high death rate among Shipman's patients. So the entire time through his career, his patients have been passing away. Mm. But it's never really been his fault. Uh, mm. Mm. In particular, she was concerned about the large number of cremation forms for elderly women that he had needed countersigned. She suspected Shipman was either through negligence, 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 or intent killing his patients. 
one of the good things about having someone else here is if I mispronounce something, I don't have to cut it out. I can just be like, <laughs> what you, you told me once that you forgot that there was a month or something like that. Or you forgot. I forgot Arkansas was a thing. You forgot Arkansas was a state. I wish nothing more than I had someone in that room with me at the time. Did you keep it in the episode? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. I thought I was, like, exposing you. No, dude. For an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) I thought I was exposing you for a dumbass. (laughs) Um, Trying. (laughs) Anyways. Hiding behind his status of a caring family doctor, it was almost impossible to establish exactly when Shipman began killing his patients or indeed exactly how many died at his hands. And his denial of all charges did nothing to assist the authorities. Authorities. Authority. Mistake my authority. I can't do it that well. No, no. no. <laughs> indeed, his killing spree was only brought to an end thanks to the determination of Angela Woodruff, the daughter of one of his victims. Ah. Uh, yeah. So, um, so she refused to accept the expectations given to her for her mother's death, who was Kathleen Grundy, who was an active, wealthy, 81-year-old widow who was found dead in her home on June 24th, 1998. And earlier she had visited Dr. Shipman. Uh, she was advised by Shipman that an autopsy was not required. And uh, Kathleen Grundy was buried in accordance with her daughter's wishes. The will excluded her and her children, but left 386,000 euros to Shipman. How many is that in American dollars? A bunch. <laughs> A lot. A lot. <laughs> a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Burgess told... I'm not also not going to do Okay. Let's move on. Um, Burgess told Woodruff to report it and went to the police and who began an investigation. Ooh. Grundy's, when was this? Sorry. Uh, 98. Okay. I was born in 98. <laughs> <laughs> he's like in his 50s? Yeah, he's like in his 50s. I think he time. just turned 51 if I'm turning. Damn, bitch is old. <laughs> um, so, Grundy's body was exhumed, and when examined, and examined, and when examined, found to contain- <laughs> Sorry, did you just say examined? I don't need you to judge me. <laughs> and, uh, oh fuck, I love this Okay, when examined, found to contain traces of dopamine, wait, no, dimorphine. Dimorphine, which is used for pain control and terminal cancer patients. Oh. She just went in for a checkup. Oh. So, a shipment was arrested on September 7th, 1998. I took that part from a, um, a British column or whatever. And so they put the day before the month. Yeah. And that kind of tripped me up for a second, but I wanted to talk about it. <laughs> so on September 7th, 1998, he was found to own a typewriter of the type used to f- make a forged will that gave him all that money. So he was arrested because they were like, and eh, this is this typewriter will. And then they went to him and they were like, Do you a typewriter? And he was like, No. And then they were like, We see it. <laughs> it's right there. It's right there. Why'd you put it on your desk? <laughs> If I, have I told you my tattoo idea? No, what is it? <laughs> I want to get a tattoo on the inside of my lip that says yeet and all lowercase and a period like a typewriter of font. Please get that. <laughs> I want nothing more than for you to get this tattoo. I want to get nothing it. more. 
Uh, so the police investigated other deaths Shipman had certified and created a list of 15 specimen cases to investigate. They discovered a pattern of his administrating lethal overdoses of dimorphine, signing patients' death certificates, and then forging medical records indicating they had been in poor health. He, he, he forged them to say that they were in poor health, right? Mm-hmm. So going back to the topic of why did he not do this better, why couldn't he just forge that woman's documents to say like she had terminal cancer or some shit like that? You know what I'm saying? I'm pretty sure he that's just... too much. No, I don't think that's too much. I mean... I feel like you can't force something to be like, oh, she had terminal cancer, because terminal cancer is, like, a big deal, in case you didn't know It's a that. little rough. Yeah, it's a little bit rough to go through, but it's definitely not something that you can just be like, oh, yeah, she had terminal cancer, don't worry, just trust me, <laughs> You didn't fine. know? You what? didn't know? Everyone knew. Because, like, you need at least three people to, like, be like, yeah, she did. You know what I mean? Because if I went up to you and I was like, hey, I have cancer, what would you do? Cry. Oh shit! Um, <laughs> uh, my cancer thing, or terminal my thing cancer? Backfired. Terminal cancer. <laughs> I would. You said, "Wait, what was your response?" I forgot. I was thinking so hard because I got sad. You had cancer or terminal cancer? <laughs> if I had terminal cancer, no, no, actually, no. If I just came up to you and said I had terminal cancer, what would you do? I like my heart would stop. Okay, I forgot that you're a caring person. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, so, prescription for murder, you look so sad, prescription for murder was a book by journalist Brian Whittle and Jean Ritchie, which reports two theories of why Shipman, Shipman, Shipman forged the will. Wait, this is the first time he forged the will. Oh. Yeah, I definitely forgot that info. Because I, so, I watched this, like, YouTube documentary about him, and then I, uh, wrote this. So is this the first time he got caught writing the will, or the first time he ever wrote? This is the first time he ever wrote one. Okay, is this the only one? Yeah. Okay. Everyone else just died. <laughs> Bye. Bye, Mitch. Um, but is it's believed that he did this because he wanted to be caught because his life was out of control, and the other reason is that he planned to retire at fifty-five, take the money that he got, and leave the country. Oh. That one seems more plausible to me. But if you had to like run. From like murder or like a, a, a something like something happening, you have to run out of the country. Where would you go? Bermuda, 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 Bermuda. Oh. Bermuda. Come, Come on, pretty mama. mama. Where'd you go? Uh, I just want to go where all the animals are. I, 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 I kind of want to go to Africa. Um, I love Australia, I'm but I can't handle scared. the heat. Yeah, and I'm too scared to go to Australia because the massive spiders. Honestly, have you ever, have you ever seen if it's Australian, my time to go, it's my time to have go. Have you seen Australian spider? No. Do you want to see one? Sure. Okay. So, police later established that Shipman would, in most cases, after these medical notes directly alter these medical notes directly after killing the patient. To ensure that his account. Wait. Uh, I have to reset that. Police later established that Shipman would, in most cases, after medical notes. It's alter. Why do you want to say after? I don't know. I'm not reading it. Alter his medical notes directly after killing the patients to ensure that his account matched with the medical records. So, where was I? Um, Okay, so... Okay. Uh, What Shipman had failed to grasp was that with each alteration of the records would be a timestamp by the computer. Is that... Yeah. So police was able to be like, oh, this is where the original one was done and then he altered it after the patient's death. That's 
Wow. Depending on the way that he killed them. <gasps> yeah. That's okay. Yeah. This is in the nineties. This is in the nineties. He he was doing no. He was doing this stuff from the sixties to the nineties. Yeah. No, I'm just amazed at like the computer. <laughs> the, well, computers. They were. I'm just saying. It was probably just. It was probably like just in the eighties and nineties. They yeah. use computers. Everything else probably documentation. That's why it was so easy at first. Have you seen Ghost? No. Oh well, it's. I think it's. I think it was in the nineties, but they use a computer for a part of it. Like it's just like whatever. But like, I just don't understand how anyone could like use that computer. It just looks so old and like. Yeah. I was like, I don't understand how. Like, I just I couldn't figure it out. Like, I, I couldn't. You need to watch it. I'll, I'll watch it. Like, it's actually a really good movie. Mm-hmm. Anyways. What are we talking about? Uh, Shipman's Trial, actually. Um, it commenced in Preston Crown Kurt, Christian Crown Kurt, on October 5th, 1999. Um, attempts by his. That's when I was born. You gotta say it earlier. I can say it now. <laughs> I feel like it doesn't seem like I get a fucking. <laughs> I do. I don't. Attempts by his defense counsel to have Shipman tried in three separate phases, which means that Kate, the case would be like. Physical evidence, cases without the Grundy case, which the forgery differentiation, uh, which would make it kind of different from other cases, um, as well as having damning evidence relating to Shipman's fraudulent accumulation of morphine and other drugs were thrown out and the trial proceeded on the 16th charges, including in the indictment. So they're basically trying to be like, let's all, let's spread this out. Let's make it different so that each charge would be smaller. And they're like, no, fuck you. He's being charged for 16 counts of murder. Yeah. Because <laughs> they couldn't figure out exactly how many, but he knew they knew it was 16 confirmed. Yeah. And I then... Thought, okay. I thought... <laughs> they said it was 25 earlier. What, what do you mean? Earlier you were like, there are 25 confirmed. Yeah, it was 250. No, it was 215 confirmed. This was before he died. True. Once the end... Once, no, wait for it. <laughs> okay, just, just, wait, just wait for it. Um, um, prosecution asserted that Shipman had killed 15 patients because he enjoyed exercising control over life and death and dismissed any claims that he had been acting compassionately as none of his victims were suffering eternal illness. So, he was forging documents to be like, oh yeah. In actuality, he was just drugging them up. Hmm. Yeah. Cute. Adorable. Wanted burp. Uh, hot. Thank you. Angela Woodruff, Kathleen Grundy's daughter, appeared as the first witness. Uh, she forthright, her forthright manner and an account of her unremitting, unremitting, yeah, her forthright manner and account of her unremitting determination to get the truth impressed the jury and attempts by Shipman's defense to undermine her were largely unsuccessful. Ooh. Next up, the government pathologist led the court through the gruesome post-mortem 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 findings god am i i'm gonna like glasses on oh you dumbass (laughs) where morphine toxicity was the cause of death in most instances now i'm just stupid (laughs) after fingerprint analysis of the forged will shown that kathleen grundy had never handheld the will and her signature was dismissed by a handwriting expert (gasps) as a crude forgery <gasps> a police computer analysis analysis god damn it grayson <laughs> oh do i need to read it oh, 
A police computer analysis then testified how Shipman had altered his computer records to create symptoms that his dead patients never had, in most cases within hours of their deaths. So after the patients would die, he'd be like, this is how they died. This is what happened. Mm. But, but so here's what happened. They'd come in, he drove, he like dope them up or whatever, send them home. They'd die at home. Once he got word that they're dead, he'll kill them. Like on the document. No, well, no, not smart. No, it's but I mean, yeah, <laughs> we both know that cri- that criminals are stupid, and uh, we could do it better. We could do it better. As the child progressed onto other victims in the accounts of their relatives, the pattern of Shipman's behavior became much clearer: a lack of compassion, disregard for the wishes of attending relatives, and reluctance to attempt to revive patients with, were bad enough, but. Also, fraud came into the light. Oh. Yeah, another fraud also came to light. He would pretend to call the emergency services in the presence of relatives, then cancel the call out when the patient was discovered to be dead. Telephone records shown that there was no actual calls made. Damn. Yeah, he cold. He cold-blooded. Yeah, I'm cold-blooded, think. That was really good. Finally, <gasps> evidence of his drug hoarding was introduced. Uh, his false prescribing of patients who didn't require morphine over-prescribing to others who did, as well as proof of his visits to the homes of recently deceased to collect up unused drugs, surprise, for disposal. Shipman's haughty demeanor throughout the trial did nothing to assist his defense in painting the picture of a dedicated healthcare professional. Despite their attempts, his arrogance and constantly changing stories, when caught in obvious lies, did nothing to endear him to the jury. So everyone's like, nah, you're fucking fishy. Yeah. Kind of like Ted Bundy. Whenever he went to the jury, and you know, he was all like, hey, I'm innocent. Blah, blah, blah. And everyone was like, no, fuck you. I thought they did. I thought they, I thought they did. Well, he just had a lot of women show up and like, I love you. Yeah. Other than that, though, everyone was like, you're full of shit. So the judge went over it and everything, and the caught and a caution to the jury that no one had actually witnessed Shipman kill any of his patients. The jury were significantly convinced that the testimony and evidence presented and unanimously, unanimously, and unanimously found Shipman guilty on all charges. Fifteen counts of murder <laughs> in one forgery. Can someone wait? <laughs> can someone like go back, listen to the beginning, and put like a like a count of how many times Grayson has messed up? <laughs> like so I want you to tweet at up at Nightcast. <laughs> Thank you. And be like, oh, total is like forty two times. Oh my god, I cannot believe I'm like cannot speak today. Oh, oh okay. 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 Yeah. But this was to prove insignificant in light of further investigations that delved more deeply into his patient case list history. Oh. Ow. <laughs> a clinical audit conducted by Professor Richard Baker of the University of Leicester examined the number of patterns of death in Harold Shipman's practice and compared them with those of other practitioners, and it found the rates of dead amongst his elderly patients were significantly higher clustered at certain times of day and that shipment was in attendance in a disproportionately high number of cases. The audit goes on to estimate that he may have been responsible for the deaths of at least 236 patients Yikes. over a 24-year period. Oh, like, around that much. Oh, so. Wow. Yeah. Uh, separately, an inquiry commission chaired by High Court Judge Dame Janet Smith examined the records of 500 patients who died while in shipment's care and the 2,000-page report concluded that it was likely that it had murdered at least 218 of his patients 
Although this number was offered by Dame Janet, Janet, Jesus, Dame Janet as an estimation, rather than a precise calculation, as certain cases presented insignificant evidence to follow the certainty. Yeah. The commissioner further uh, speculated that Shipman might have been addicted to killing and was critical of police investigation procedures, claiming that the lack of experience of the investigating officers resulted in missed opportunities to bring Shipman to justice earlier. He may, in fact, have taken his first victim within months of obtaining his license to practice medicine. It was 67-year-old Margaret Thompson, who died in March 1970 while recovering from a stroke, but deaths prior to 1950 were never officially proven. But that may have been his first ever kill. Hmm. Whatever the exact number, the sheer scale of his murderous activities meant that Shipman was catapulted from British patient killer to the most prolific known serial killer in the world. He remained at Durham, 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 I didn't even read it, I'm just guessing. Durham prison throughout the investigations, maintaining his innocence and was stoutly defended by his wife, Primrose, and family. He was moved to Wakefield Prison in June 2003, which made visits from his family easier. Harold, Sh- okay, this is this is the sad, not really sad. I don't know, indifferent. Um, Harold Shipman committed suicide by hanging in his cell at Wakefield Prison on the morning of January 13th, 2004. Did you put a trigger warning on it? Yeah, I did. Okay. Um, on the eve of his 58th birthday, and was pronounced dead at. Some British tabloids express joy to suicide and encourage other serial killers to follow his example. Yeah, that's kind of the fucked up part I was talking about just then. The Sun ran a a celebratory... The Sun ran a celebratory front page headlining Ship Ship Hooray. (laughs) Yeah. Some of the victims' families, however, said they felt cheated, as a suicide meant they would never have the satisfaction of Shipman's confession and answers as to why he committed his crimes. The home security, David Blunkin, noted the celebration was tempting, saying, you wake up and you receive a call telling you Shipman had talked himself, and you think, is it too early to open a bottle? And then you discover that everyone's upset that he's done it. British people don't give a fuck. That was like a knock. I didn't like it. Did you hear it? No. Oh, it scared me. I'm scared. You're okay. I promise you're all right. This is a neighborhood. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But it, oh, that scared me a lot. You're okay. I promise. Um... But yeah, basically, he was like, I was excited, but everyone else was pissed off, so. Pep nuts. <laughs> Shipman's motive for suicide was never established, although he had reportedly told his probation officer that he was considering suicide so that his widow could receive a National Health Service pension in lump sum, even though he had been stripped of his own pension. His wife received a full NHS pension, which she would not have been entitled to if he had died under the age of 60. Okay. Yeah, so. At least he cared about someone. Yeah, honestly. It actually... Make his pockets hurt. Um, but one of the main things was that um, FBI profiler John Douglas asserted that serial killers are usually obsessed with manipulation and control, and killing themselves in police custody or committing suicide by cop could be an act of control. Yeah. Shimon had been emotional and close to tears when his refusal to take part in courses, which would have encouraged him to confess... With his guilt led to privileges, including the opportunity to telephone his wife being removed. Privileges had been returned the week before the suicide. So he was not, like, people, like, to get him to talk, they took away all the stuff. Okay. Yeah. And then he was like, hmm. And they gave it back. Because, <laughs> you know, power. Uh, additionally, Primrose had constantly believed that Shipman was innocent, actually began to suspect his guilt near the end of the... Yeah. 
According to Tommy Fleming, which was Shipman's ex-cellmate, Primrose recently wrote her husband a letter exhorting him to tell, basically saying, tell me everything no matter what. Oh. So. <sighs> yeah. Um, I mean, I have so much more to do. I'm at 36 minutes. 30. Yes. Um, in January 2001, Chris Gregg, a senior West Yorkshire detective, had selected the lead in investigation into 22 of the West Yorkshire deaths. Following this, a report into Shipson's activities submitted in July 2002. What? <laughs> <laughs> in, in July. Was, I'm moving on. Concluded that he had killed at least 250 patients between 1975 and 1998, during which time he practiced in Todd Morden, West Yorkshire, and Hyde, Great Manchester, and then Dame Janet Smith, the judge who submitted the report, admitted that many suspicious deaths could not be definitively... Most of his victims were elderly women in good health. In her sixth and final report, issued on January 24th, 2005, Smith reported that she believed that Shipman had killed three patients, and she has serious suspicions about four further deaths, including that of a four-year-old girl... During the eight, yeah, during the early stages of his medical career at Pontefracton General Hospital, West Riding Yorkshire's, West Riding Yorkshire, that was a place, that was a whole place. Smith concluded the probable number of Shipman's victims between uh, 71, 1971 and 1998 was 250. In total, 459 people died while under his care, but it is uncertain how many of those were Shipman's victims as he was often the only doctor to certify a death. Oh. Yeah. Since he was, like, one of the head dudes. Yeah. Yeah. So. The Shipman Inquiry also recommended changes to the structure of the General Medical Council. Uh, the General Medical Council signed six, charged six doctors who had signed cremation forms for Shipman's victims with misconduct, claiming they should have noticed pattern between Shipman's home visits and his patient's death. All three doctors were found not guilty, because they didn't know. Yeah. Uh, Shipman's widow, Primrose Shipman, was called to give evidence about two of the deaths during the inquiry. She maintained her husband's innocence before and after the prosecution. In October 2005, a similar hearing was held against two doctors who worked at Thamesdale General Hospital in 1994 who failed to detect that Shipman had deliberately administrated a grossly excessive dose of morphine. In 2005, it came to light that Shipman might have stolen jewelry from his victims. Uh. Over... 10,000 euro of jewelry. So a lot. So a lot. <laughs> I've been found in his garage. And in March 2005, uh, with Primo Shipton pressing for it to be returned to her, police wrote to the families of Shipman's victims asking them to identify the jewelry. Unidentified items were handed to the Assets Recovery Agency in May. In August, the investigation ended. 66 pieces were returned to Primo Shipman. And 33 pieces, which she confirmed were not hers, were auctioned. Okay. And that was a story of doctored, doctored, of Dr. <laughs> Harold Frederick Shipman, a.k.a. Dr. Death. That was the most terrible <laughs> recording I've ever done in my entire life. Oh my god, what is wrong with me? Do you think, so you mentioned that she kept the ones that were hers. Yeah. Um, do you think that, like, he took them and, like, gave them to her, like, oh, oh definitely. it's a gift, whatever, and, like, she said that it was hers? Oh, Definitely. Because I feel like that's some... Because I think he likes control, so it's like he killed someone, he's like, he has his stuff, and he's like, I want to make my wife feel good, and like... Well, you know, um, most serial killers keep tokens from yeah. their victims, so that would make sense for him to be like, mine now, this is mine. But yeah, that was that was it. What'd you think? I want to look up the doctor. Yeah, straight up. I, 
I title this I hate doctors as a document title. But yeah, that was that was it. I think it's really interesting because like no one knew. Yeah. Which really kind of shows it really can't be anybody. Yeah. Have you ever seen Abducted in Plain Sight? Have like an actual video or is it like a show or something? It's a movie. Oh, it's a movie? No. We're gonna watch it together soon. <gasps> I'm scared. It's so good. Oh my god, like, it's so good. I low key like. Okay, I'm sorry. I really like the fucked up cases. Like, yeah. I want to oh. go as fucked up as possible. Dude. Like, this guy. You wanna know a spoiler? Sure. This guy convinced this daughter's family that they were like all best friends slept in the same bed as her one time kidnapped her convinced her that she was an alien princess that was forced to have sex with him men in black (laughs) that is a plot to men in black yes but how fucking crazy is that that's insane and then it gets even crazier do you want to hear about it you want to watch it i'll watch it okay can we watch it together because it's really good yeah it has to be good um so what's your good thing for the week Speaking of good, um, I'm talking to other certain friends again, which is good. Yeah. Is that a good thing? I like. I think it's a good thing. I think I'm just overthinking it, and I got kind of freaked out about it. But it's like we're being. I have to be an adult and stop being petty. Mm-hmm. Not that I thought that I was being petty, but it's kind of like I gotta step up. You know. Yeah. No, I totally get that. It's always weird whenever you just kind of fall out with someone. Right. Because it's different than whenever you just two just drift apart. Like, whenever there's, like, an ending. Yeah. It can always be really weird. So, props to you for not being petty about it and taking the high road. <sighs> Very mature. Very mature, if you mature. will. The one word that you can say right. Mature. Mature. <laughs> Every other word. No. 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 Can't do it. No. Um, you know what's crazy? I don't have a good thing. <laughs> Oops. Oops. Yeah, this has been, like, a really hard week for me. I feel like... I think I scared you because I started texting you about how I was feeling. Yeah, did I? I was just kind of like, well, I mean, I felt that. I was like, I'm, I've been there. Yeah. But, like, so when I was in a speech class at my community college, we had, every Wednesday we would be, like, we would start the class off with sharing a good thing. And she's like, I don't, you cannot tell me that there's nothing. Like, there has to be something. You have to say, like, you can even say, I woke up 10 minutes early this morning. That could be your good thing. But you have to have something. I'm going to make you have something. Okay. Um, something that hasn't caused you sadness. <laughs> um, <laughs> my lizard. My lizard's now on crickets. Ooh. Yeah, they feed me on crickets. Big crickets. Yeah, big, big crickets. Big crickets. But I also would like to be open and talk about how things aren't doing good right now. I'm on a new medication that is fucking me in the ass. Damn. I'm, I'm having all the side effects all at once. It's really fun. And it's okay to, like, ad- admit that stuff has been sad or oh, yeah, anything definitely. like that. Cause but it's also important to look at the good, too. Like, you're yeah. right. Maybe one good Just thing, one bad thing. <laughs> What's We're your changing. bad thing of the week? The, in the bad thing of the week? Your uh, bad thing. Tell me something negative. <laughs> oh. uh, but, yeah. It's always, it's always really hard to kind of find that, like equal balance of it being like oh shit like i'm not doing good and then also being like i will get better in the future yeah because that's kind of how i was a couple weeks ago i was like just having the worst time and i was like in like two weeks from now it'll be totally different and i'll be fine i just have to get through it and it's like for me sometimes like the first part of it is sadness and the second part of it is like not having the energy to do anything and like needing to like get up and do something it's like 
I get that. See, mine is just like a constant like influx of emotion, just constantly like extremes, mm. um, which is why I'm on vacation. <laughs> um, but it's just like it's super frustrating because it's like I don't know if in two weeks it's gonna get any better. You know, there's yeah. a possibility that's gonna remain the exact same. But I just kind of listen. I me too. I tell you, I look on the bright side because I'm going to see my psychiatrist <gasps> on Friday. Listen to Mr. Brightside. That's not a happy song. But it's such a good song. It is. The Killers. Oh, I like Somebody Told Me a lot, too. That's my good thing for the week. Somebody Told Me by The Killers. Somebody told me that you had a boyfriend who looked like a girlfriend. And I guess I can plug my Twitter again. (laughs) What was that again? It's Up at Night Cast. Oh. Yeah, you can send your music recommendations, your murder recommendations. You can just say hi. You can make a Twitter just to talk to us. Yes, thank you, Dakota. Us. Talk to us. Yeah. Right. I also I reply to anything that I'm anything that I mention and I usually reply to because I don't have anything else to do. But shout out to was it Dakota that said the thing where you were Yeah, like, I'm pretty sure. Oh but shout out to Dakota apparently. But um <laughs> you were like, skill one to ten or how did you feel about last week's episode? And I said, patiently waiting to be offended. Yeah. And then they said, counting to infinity. And I was like, oh, I'm like, that's so nice. You're so nice. By the way, you're nice. If you're listening to this, Dakota, hey. Hi. Watch, watch them not even listen to this episode. That would be wild. That would be super funny. That, yeah. Dedicating this entire segment. By the way, it's for you, Dakota. This is all for you. Okay. Uh, look, Twitter. Oh, um, if you guys also, I'm going to plug something else. If you guys would not mind, start giving me ratings and feedback on Apple, not Apple, yeah, Apple Podcast and Spotify Podcast. I really Do you give ratings it. on Spotify? I'm pretty sure you can. If not, then then make an Apple account and do it there. Because, yeah, I just it would really help boost the podcast. It really helps my me get out there and people listen to me and I start to get, uh, like, you know, suggested to people, which would be very nice, so... It helps if, if, it helps her, like, improve if she needs, I don't think, I don't think she needs to. Oh my god. But. <laughs> I'm, we're done? Yeah. Done? Anything yeah. else you want to say to the people? Hi. Cool. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Well, this is the end of the 27th. Oh, wait! Oh god, what? This is for Alexis. Hello. That's just for you, Alexis. So this is the end of the 22nd episode of Up at Night. Thank you for listening. It means a lot. Um, I hope you have a beautiful day, night, lifetime, and... Millennium. Millennium. Uh, yeah. I can't think of anything better than millennium. Uh, anyways. Millennium. Um, yes. Uh, I will see you the next time I can't sleep. Bye, Bye. guys. Bye-bye.